Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Hey everybody, welcome to our third installment of our Love Lock series. I'm super excited because I'm standing beside my better half. Come on somebody, (laughs) shoot some fire emojis and little hallelujah hands in the air. Come on. We are going to be tag teaming today. And so with that, I'm super excited to have my amazing, beautiful wife of over 30 years of marriage. Come on, somebody. That's some more fire emojis that need to be blowing it up. (laughs) That's right. Three kids. Yes. Two amazing son-in-laws. And so, and a dog named Bougie. And two fur grandbabies. Yes. So, we got a lot to say, and we want to dive into today's message. And uh, man, we're so honored to have you. And let me go ahead and encourage you to click those share buttons and pass this message on to friends and people that you know that we believe truly will be blessed and inspired. And I think really challenged to think about some things that maybe they've never really thought about before. Our prayer really is that this message will be a game changer. It truly will be maybe a turning point for a lot of couples, uh, especially those that are, you know, obviously married, but even for those who are thinking about marriage, about, you know, maybe that future partner. And this is so vitally important. And that's really why this series that we've been a part of over the last couple of weeks um, really is so foundational because we really believe these five conversations that we're talking about are truly um, just, I think, deal critical when it comes to creating that unbreakable bond in our marriage relationship and really building that legacy that we all desire to have in our families. And so with that, week one, uh, what we did is we actually talked about something called the beliefs question. And the beliefs question went like this, who or what serves as the source of our beliefs. And the reason why that question is so important is because we learned that wrong beliefs lead to wrong expectations. And so the moment we turn our focus away from God and we put our focus on each other and place our expectations on each other to make us happy, to fulfill all of our needs, and unfortunately, that sets us up for failure. So what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves as couples, as individuals, are the beliefs that we're holding in our hearts toward ourselves, toward our spouse, even towards God, are the beliefs that we're holding in our hearts, are they consistent? Are they in alignment with the truths of God's word? Last week, we talked about the values question. And that question is, who do we want to become as a couple? And that is so important because we learn that our beliefs not only determine our behavior, But we also helped, hopefully, through maybe the exercises and the homework that you completed, hopefully you asked yourself some important questions about what is most important to us as a couple. Because your values ultimately will determine who you become as a husband and a wife and ultimately as a family. And so we hope that worksheet was helpful and practical for you. And if you didn't know about it and didn't get a chance to do it, go to our website there at rethinklife.com. And on the Love Lock page, 
you can download that worksheet and go through the values that we've identified and you can work through that as a template to begin identifying your own values as it relates to what is most important to you and to your marriage relationship. And then today is installment number three, which really leads us to the third important question. And we call it the security question. And here's how it reads. This question is, what will we say and how will we act towards each other that will give emotional security to our marriage? When I was a teenager growing up in Oklahoma City, we had just built a brand new home and uh, it was on the back side of the subdivision and there were all these open lots behind us and like this ravine behind us. And um, so I, we were so excited to get into our new home and um, I decorated my room, which was the only bedroom downstairs. I decorated it in the pastel rainbows. Now, I don't know if any of you from the 80s, but the rainbows were the thing. So I was, I mean, I was just cutting edge <laughs> with these pastel rainbows all in my bathroom. And then I had a border uh, in my bedroom of pastel rainbows and I loved my room. Well, one day we were coming home from church on a Sunday night and my mom opened the garage door. And as the door was going up, we're like, oh my goodness. There were all of our valuable things sitting in the middle of the garage floor. <laughs> like we were freaking out, scared to death. What in the world was going on? So we called 911. The police came. They searched our home. Somebody had broken into our home while we were gone. And, uh, and so the police took us through the house and I mean, they ransacked the place. My room being the only room on the first floor, they thought it was the master bedroom. So every door, every cabinet, everything was torn up, thrown onto my bed. And it was a huge, huge mess. And it took me several weeks to sleep in peace because I was afraid these people were coming back. But the key to this whole story was we had a brand new state-of-the-art security system. Now, why we had not turned it on, I'm not sure. But from that night on, every night and every time we left the house, we turned on that security system. And you know what? In our marriage, this question of security is so, so important. And that's kind of an analogy, obviously, about our physical security, but what about our spiritual and our emotional security? It's so important that we feel secure and safe in our marriage. And there's several things that we can do to make sure that we feel that way in our marriage. And, and because security is often overlooked in the marriage, you know, the interpersonal relationship skills and um, having, you know, steps to having a great relationship, just making sure you have those relational skills are looked to kind of as the, the main thing that you should have, but really we can't overlook the importance of feeling safe and secure in our marriage. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And the reason that's so important is because when these needs are met, we have positive thoughts, positive emotions, positive behaviors, which result in a positive relationship, right? And when this need is not met, we have negative thoughts, negative behaviors, negative emotions, which lead to 
a negative, toxic, insecure relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you maybe were a part of week one, we talked about something that happens in all marriages. And it's something we call or refer to as love leaks. In other words, you know, there are those moments and there are those seasons where there's that romantic love. And, you know, a lot of times when a couple first meets or in there, when they're in that courtship dating relationship, you know, we can kind of find no fault in each other. You know, everything seems to be perfect, you know, but over the course of time, trust me, over the course of time, if you've been married for any more than a minute, okay, right, exactly. <laughs> trust us, we know. Because what will happen is that that romantic feeling, if you will, over time can leak. It can dissipate. It can, it can be deflated, if you will. And so what happens is, if we're not careful, what often is overlooked in the relationship between a husband and a wife are something known as our emotional needs. And what I mean by the aspect of our love leaks, in other words, what happens is, is that the emotional needs of our relationship, for example, when our need for support goes unmet, when our need for attention goes unmet, when perhaps our need for affection goes unmet, when our need for you know encouragement goes unmet, I think you start to kind of get the idea. It to be a mess. Then all of a sudden, our yeah. emotional cups begin to leak. Yes. Our emotions begin to dissipate. In other words, the needs that we thought would be forever met by our perfect spouse, suddenly the expectation of that suddenly rocks our world. And before we know it, we have an empty emotional cup. And anytime a husband or wife has an emotional empty cup, in other words, when the, when the withdrawals of your emotional cup begins to mount up more than the emotional deposits that you both impart into the relationship, when you have more withdrawals than you do deposits emotionally, that is a recipe for disaster. And that's exactly what happens in a lot of relationships. And what's the byproduct? What's the outcome? Like Michelle just said, well, you have not only negative thoughts, but those negative thoughts towards your spouse suddenly begin to produce negative emotions or feelings. In other words, you're not having all the feels as you used to. Now, all of a sudden, you're trapped by the emotions of negative feelings and emotions, which results in what? Negative behavior. That's where we start pointing the finger and having accusations and we're criticizing, condemning and belittling and judging. We're putting the blame on the other person because it's all their fault that our needs are not getting met. And as a result, over the course of time, what begins to happen? What begins to happen is things begin to get rocky in the relationship where we no longer feel secure. We no longer feel safe when the emotional security begins to dissipate in our relationship. Now, all of a sudden, we feel vulnerable and we feel insecure. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to really sabotage our relationship. And that's, what he's, that's exactly what he's come to do. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. So 
We all need to understand that's not God's plan. That's not God's original design for marriage. In fact, when God created, the Bible says, and if you read in the first chapter of Genesis, you see that God created the heavens and the earth. And then you find in Genesis chapter two that God created man. And what did man do? Well, God had this amazing relationship with man, put him in a perfect environment, basically provided everything he could possibly ever need and want. And not only that, he even put Adam, he put Adam in charge over all creation, gave him dominion and authority over everything. And so when God surveyed everything he had created, including, including man, he said, this is good. But when he saw man and his aloneness, he said, this is not good. So we pick up in Genesis chapter two, verses 18, 21 through 24. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman. Come on, somebody. We need a little amen there. Amen. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib <laughs> and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woe man, woman, because she was taken from man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, notice side by side, and the two are united in to one. So in essence, what God did is God created both man and woman to be in a perfect, harmonious union between God and between them as a husband and, and, and as a wife. And when God created all of us, guess what he did? He made us in such a way. He made us with a body. He made us with a spirit and he made us with a soul. What is the soul? The soul is our mind, it is our will, and it is our emotions, those feelings that we're talking about today. So with that, God's plan is that a husband and a wife would leave their father and their mother. So they're leaving and they are cleaving, they're coming together as one, united in one flesh. And so when God designed for that to take place, he wanted us to experience this oneness, this unity, not just physically, but also spiritually and emotionally so that we truly can experience that kind of intimacy, not just with each other, but with God. Because when again, when God created us, he created us as a triune being. So as a result of that, we need to not only look to God as our primary source, our ultimate provider for our needs, because that's exactly what Paul said in Philippians chapter four, verse 19. He said, and my God will liberally supply, fill unto, until full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So ultimately God is the one who provides for our needs. He's the ultimate supplier of every need we could possibly ever imagine. 
But when we look to God and we depend upon God and we draw from his unlimited glorious resources to meet our every need, now we're in a better position because once again, he is depositing those into our lives so that we now can deposit those kinds of needs into one another. And that is where the Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And I love how the Amplified captures these verses. Husbands, love your wives, seek the highest good for her, and surround her with a caring, unselfish love, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then we see in Ephesians 5, verse 33, each man among you, without exception, is to love his wife as his very own self, with behavior worthy of respect and esteem, always seeking the best for her with an attitude of loving kindness. And the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern treasuring him and honoring him and holding him dear. Can you imagine in 2021, okay, if every married couple lived this way? Can you imagine that triangular love where you have a husband and a wife who are both pursuing God individually and as they're looking to him and drawing upon his unlimited resources to be the ultimate provider and sustainer of their needs, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and then that husband and wife out of the overflow can make those same deposits into each other, that is the kind of love that God designed so that there could be harmony and unity and oneness, that perfect giving sacrificial kind of love that Christ demonstrated for us. That is what we really believe, and this is what we're praying for, that all of us will be able to experience that so we can have that kind of unbreakable bond in our marriage relationship. So going back to the security question, okay? And here's the security question. What will we say and how will we act towards each other that will give emotional security to our marriage. So what we want to do for the next few moments, okay, is we want to give you four statements that I think every couple needs to not only know, but more importantly, needs to share with one another. Not just share it verbally, but ultimately demonstrate it by how we behave, how we act towards each other. They're super simple statements, but they're a little harder to put into practice. Yes, trust <laughs> us. So obviously this is easier said than done, yeah. easier to preach than live out, you know what I'm saying? But the reality is, okay, and we've learned this and we're not perfect at it. We work toward it, yeah. but we've learned that these four statements are truly, truly game changers when it comes to keeping our emotional cups full. In other words, where the needs are continuously being met because it's not just a one-time thing. You know, we just don't say I do at the marriage ceremony and then our emotional needs are met forever. Yeah. No, it's a work in progress. It is a daily commitment. So the first question, or excuse me, the first statement I should say when it comes to helping uh, provide that safety and security 
to where we meet those emotional needs. Number one is the statement, I care about you. And more than anything, at the end of the day, that's what I want Michelle to know when it comes to my emotions and my feelings toward her is that more than anything in all the world, I want her to know that I genuinely and sincerely care, affectionately care for her as my wife. You know, I care about her than any other thing, literally on this side of heaven. And one of the things that I, you know, think is so important is that we work towards helping our spouse know that we care, that they matter to us. And not just in the things that we say, but more importantly, as Michelle just emphasized, by the things that we actually do that actually proves that they care. And so with that, the opposite is also true. So when you think about it, nothing creates a sense of insecurity and a lack of safety in a marriage relationship than when we feel like our spouse doesn't care, when we feel like we don't matter, when we feel like they have put somebody else, so they put their job, their work, Maybe in that parenting season, if you have small children, when it's all consuming as a parent, you know, they are all demanding and they, de they demand every ounce of your attention and your energy. And so what happens a lot of times is the kids become the centrality of the relationship. And so it's easy sometimes where one of the spouses feel like their emotional needs are being neglected because the kids have come before the marriage and it's easy to do. But here's the thing, at the end of the day, there are some things that we have to do to help communicate that we care about one another. Because when we fail to do that, that's when, again, the expectations go unfulfilled. That's where all of a sudden we turn toward each other and we start condemning, we start saying things or doing things that brings hurt and anger into the relationship. And let me tell you something, I shared this during week one, we have to keep honor high and we have to keep anger low. Because when I am communicating value to her, what am I saying to her? I'm saying that you matter to me. More than anything in all the world, you matter to me. I care about you because I've placed value on her above anything else outside of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so with that said, we have to understand the enemy's goal is to get us get us angry and to keep us angry because that's the number one destroyer of marriages. Mm -hmm. So the way to avoid that, the Bible says it this way in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. But notice the opposite of that. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So the question is, how do we communicate that to one another? Well, there's a lot of things that we can do that it demonstrates that we care. Of course, things, little things like praying for each other, you know, sharing God's word with one another, you know, whether it's a devotional or just sharing verses together or just sharing what we're learning, how we're growing in our faith. Maybe it's through just spending quality time together. It's the old saying, you know, love is spelled T-I-M-E. Just, just showing that we're making the intentional effort 
to show and to demonstrate that they matter. Our spouse is the most important thing to us. We, we go out on those date nights. Maybe it's just showing the non-sexual affection, which is one of her biggest needs. I, every time I, you know, I think about this, I think about the guy who went to uh, the counselor with his wife and obviously her emotional cup was empty. And uh, so they sat down across the desk from the counselor and, and this wife, I mean, this lady, she just went off on her husband. I mean, <laughs> she just started ripping him. I mean, sailing him down the river. I mean, just throwing one verbal bomb after another. She was just unloading on this counselor about her husband. And so finally, the counselor got up from his desk. He, he walked to the other side. He leaned over. And he gave this man's wife, I mean, a long, passionate kiss right on the lips. And this lady basically just like fainted in the chair. And then when finally when she came to, the counselor looked at this man's wife and he said, Sir, he said, that is what your wife needs at least three times a week. And the man kind of sat there somewhat speechless. And then he thought to himself, he said, well, he said, I can bring her in every Monday and Wednesday, but I go fishing on Fridays. <laughs> so, you know, guys, listen, sometimes we need to work extra hard at just showing the non-sexual affection that lets our spouse know that we care, that they matter to us. And so all the little things, listen, all the little things, lending support, Listen, it's like we said during week one, you got to keep the honey in the honeymoon. And sometimes it's the little things that makes a big statement to our spouse that they matter and that they care greatly to our lives. Yes. And so the second statement is, I trust you. Again, it sounds so simple, but it, it is, it's a little more uh, in depth than that. It's not simple. It is, I trust you because openness and transparency allows a couple to be able to share, share how they truly feel and think their dreams, their visions, their aspirations without fear of being condemned or criticized or spoken down to about what's truly in their heart, where they feel that they can speak out and, and speak in, in their marriage relationship and have trust there. That is an emotional trust with their spouse that they can't have really with anybody else other than their relationship with God. They feel so secure. It's like the safest place in the planet, this marriage relationship that they have and uh, this relationship of trust. I know when we first got married, um, this was an issue for me, which was surprising uh, to me. But and like you said, if you've been married even a minute or a day or a week or two years, you know, the people that have been married during the, got married right before the pandemic. Wow. How tough has that been? But if you've been married any amount of time, you start to realize the things that are maybe issues inside yourself. And I, I realized that I actually had an issue with trusting Rodney. And it wasn't because he was not trustworthy. It was my issue. It was not his issue. It was mine. And so I had to start just speaking out to him. I would be the type that would just hold it in. And um, I wasn't so great with words. And so I 
at times I would write it down, the things that I was struggling with and why I was struggling trusting. And that kind of helped us work through that and build greater security in our relationship and our marriage. And some of the things that uh, cause us to have a lack of trust might be past relationships, or maybe it was the home that we grew up in or some, some relationships that we saw close up and we're like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't want that to ever happen to me. I don't know if that speaks to you, but we all, nobody's perfect, right? The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. So none of us grew up in a perfect home or had a perfect upbringing or had perfect relationships before we got married. So we bring all of that into our relationship. And if we can't trust, if we can't build a safe place, a home that is secure with I trust you, then we're going to be we're going to be struggling, like you said, with our, our mind, our, our emotions and the things that the way we ultimately are going to behave in our marriage relationship. Um, the Bible tells us in first John 4, 18 and 19, such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. So faith is the opposite of fear. And faith is trust. And trust is faith. Mm, that's good. So the Bible says that perfect love cast out all fear. Like when you have, when you open a trust account, you, you put that money in there and you trust that it's there, it's safe, it's secure, it's being taken care of. And that's the same type of relationship that we need to have with each other. When we put deposits in, when we put our, our feelings, our emotions out there for that person, we need to feel that that's a trust account mm. that nobody can take away. Nobody can withdraw from that unless you allow it to happen. So faith is trust and trust is faith. Yeah. And God wants us to have trusting faith in our relationships. It's the way he designed us. It's his perfect will for us to not have fear because fear does not come from God. Yeah. Faith comes from God. Yeah. The third statement that will create security in our marriage is, I need you. I need you. Now, I am the oldest of four girls. Rodney's the youngest of four boys. And it, we, it was quite an interesting you know, combination to put us together. Now, I being the oldest, a lot of times I will kind of lean towards being self-sufficient. And it's it's easy for me just to kind of do my own thing and, and get it done. I don't know if anybody out there watching right now is like that, but there, when you come together in a marriage relationship, we have to remember that we need to say, I need you. I can't do it by myself. This is not a solo rodeo. We're going to do this together. And it's the desire for togetherness. It's saying in your heart, I can't imagine doing life without you. Hmm. 
You know, it's it's that kind of oneness and need for each other, that kind of love for each other. You know, and sometimes you have to just look at the simple things that we can do together to have friendship and companionship in our life. You know, things that we can find that we enjoy doing together. We have silly things that we enjoy doing together. It's kind of embarrassing to admit, but we like to ride beach cruisers together. <laughs> We like to uh, shop for furniture. When we're in need of furniture, we like to do that together. You said last week we built three homes. We love that. We love doing those kind of things. Some people are like freaks, freak out over that kind of stuff, but we found things that we love to do together, projects and hobbies that we love to do together. I love to, to clean the garage. He hates it, but I, I ask him to come join me because that's something we can do together. And when we shut the garage door at the end of the day, we feel good, right? Accomplishment. <laughs> we have a oneness and a closeness. So we have to focus on our togetherness. It says, you know, our, our statement at our church is, let's do great things together. Well, why don't we make that our statement in our marriage to make it secure? Let's do great things together awesome. because together we are better and we can do great things together. If we just have that spirit of oneness, it brings such security to our relationships. A joint accomplishment. There's an intimacy with your spouse when we do things together. Our pride can always say, I'll fix my problems on my own. You know, that seems to be the easy way out, but it actually begins to be a way of destruction, a path of destruction. If we try to fix everything on our own, that tends to be my natural, my nature, my flesh. That's the way that I respond is I want to do everything on my own. But because God has given me an amazing husband and has given you an amazing spouse and we can press into this oneness, press into this togetherness. I love the scripture that says Colossians 2.2, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of relationship God wants us to have. What keeps couples from experiencing togetherness is that self-sufficiency. I'd rather do it my own way. I'd rather go play golf with my friends. I'd rather go hang out with the girls than be with you. That's the kind of self-sufficiency. It's not that we can't do those things, but when we'd say, I'd rather, then it, it starts to build uh, the, these feelings of insecurity. Why would you rather do that than be with me? You know, where this relationship is the most important. Above all, it is the most important. So if anything else ever gets in the way of this relationship, we have to say that was a good thing, but this is the best thing. And I'm going to put this first in my life. We can create an independent spirit or we can create a spirit of togetherness. That's what God wants us to have. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, We were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly in your heart. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Mm. I love that. 
togetherness, oneness. You know, there's seasons in our life that you mentioned earlier that the children can become the most important thing in our life. And we kind of miss out on that togetherness as a couple if we don't make that a priority. And, you know, it's it's we've seen it happen over the years in our ministry, too, as as couples grow older and as the children leave the home, if they haven't made that relationship a place of security and oneness and togetherness, then they begin to fall out of that thing that was gluing them together, which was their children. And they're like, who are you? And what are you doing in my home? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no place of oneness and security and togetherness. They didn't work on their togetherness. Then they looked up and realized they had lost their oneness mm. that God has called us to have. They'd lost their need for each other. You know, that's something that has been so interesting to watch my mom and um, over the past year because my dad has passed away. You know, something they used to do, they had such a oneness that I actually didn't realize, the togetherness that they had. You know, they would watch TV together. They would watch shows together. They would cook together. They would go out and and she would go to garage sales and dad would take her and, you know, do a lot of different things. They would go out to eat together. They were always together. And it, it's spoken to me, just the friendship. They would play games and cards together. So they were obviously out of, they were empty nesters. You know, they've got grandchildren but they prioritize their oneness, their togetherness. And and that's the kind of legacy we want to have, you know, a life that is just a close knit relationship, doing great things together and just having that oneness with each other. That's awesome. But when you think about building this atmosphere in our home that really does provide a sense of security and safety where we can be ourselves and we can truly be open and vulnerable with one another without that feeling of being condemned or criticized or judged or belittled, but truly loved and embraced with all of our imperfections, but working together, as Michelle just emphasized, to grow through the things that you know are challenging and also growing through the things that truly allow us to experience even a greater sense of strength and oneness. But through it all, here's the thing. These statements that we're talking about as we close up our time together, I care about you, I trust you, I need you, and fourthly, I love you. It's a lot easier to communicate and to demonstrate I love you when she knows I care about her, when she knows I trust her, and when she knows I need her. I want to be with her and to, I want to be together with her more than anything or anyone else. Because when we are in that place, guess what? Then we're at a place where the, the I love you part is really just out of the overflow because we're giving to each other rather than taking from each other. We're putting deposits into each other rather than constantly taking those withdrawals. And so when you think about the things that keep us from really sharing or demonstrating our love is what? It's, it's, it's really simple, it's selfishness. And that's why Paul said in Philippians 2, 4, he said, abandon every display of selfishness, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. And so many of you, I'm sure you probably have seen or read throughout the course of 
the years, you know, if you've been to any bookstore or maybe you've seen some TV ads, you know, where there are all kinds of marriage books out there. We recommend all of them. There's a lot, there's a lot of bad ones, but there's also a lot of great tools and resources, especially Christ-centered, you know, books that are built on biblical principles. But can I just recommend one? It's an all-time classic. It's called The Five Love Languages by Gary, Dr. Gary Chapman. Many of you probably have read it. Some of you maybe have heard about it. But basically what that means is there are five specific needs, if you will, or love languages that he identifies, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts, which are basically tokens of affection, and then quality time. And my encouragement to you, and again, we have some homework for you to do. We have, an, we have another worksheet we've provided there on our website. So just go to rethinklife.com. And here's our encouragement and challenge to you this week as a husband and a wife, or maybe even if you're in a dating relationship, okay? And there are some parameters and boundaries if you're in a dating relationship, okay? There are some needs that can't, you can't fulfill yet, okay? But here's the most important thing you need to do. You really need to sit down and you need to ask your spouse or maybe even talk to a potential future spouse and here's what you need to do. You need to ask them this question on a scale of one to 10, based on some emotional needs, okay, that we've identified on this worksheet. In fact, we've identified 10 specific, what we call emotional or intimacy needs, okay? And then we're gonna provide you some questions to even just put it out there even more. But when you work through that together, then ask each other the question on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate that I'm currently doing on helping meet those needs in your life by the things I say and by the things that I do. And without criticizing or condemning or judging or belittling or making fun, okay? But just having a very open, transparent conversation. Then after the other person responds to that with, they, with their score, okay? And hypothetically, let's say they say, well, you're five. Then the next question would be, okay, if you score me a five in these areas, what can I do in the next 30 days that would take our relationship from a five to a seven or maybe even an eight over the next 30 days? What are some things that I can do? What are some things that I can say that will help not only meet those needs, but help create that atmosphere in our marriage relationship and in our home to be the safest, most secure place on the planet? Because that's God's desire for you. And we have to invite him into the process. We need God's help. This doesn't naturally happen on our own. We need to invite God into the marriage relationship because he's our source. He is this ultimate provider and supplier of our needs. And when we are tapping into him and when we are leaning into him and we are drawing closer to him, we're going to naturally draw closer to one another and support and meet those all important needs in our marriage. I want to invite you at this time, if you would, to bow your heads and just join with us in a word of prayer. And, and I realize that we all have different situations and circumstances represented. And for those of you that are watching today, maybe you are married and maybe you're, I realize you're at different stages and seasons of your marriage relationship. Some of you are newlyweds. Some of you are right in the thick of raising those, those kids. And some of you may even be empty nesters right now. And you know, again, maybe go back to the drawing board and ask some of these important questions. 
Go to that worksheet there on our website and really do prioritize, set aside a date night or just spend some time together and walk through and talk through and even pray through these things together. And ask God to help you see each other from his point of view and through the eyes of one another. Those of you that are watching who maybe are maybe not a churchgoer, maybe it's been a long time since you've really thought through anything as it relates to, you know, how God fits into your life or fits into your marriage relationship. Can I just say this? There's nothing in this world that can satisfy the void in your life apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've never put your faith and your trust in Him as an individual, as a couple, as a husband or wife, can we invite you right now, right there, right where you are, by simply asking and praying and inviting Jesus to come into your life. You can just pray something like this. Just say, Dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. And today by faith, I believe that Jesus died and he arose again. And today I'm inviting Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart and forgiving me and saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer just then with us, we would love to know. Would you do me a favor and just click that little I Decided button if you're watching on our website or you can check, just put it right there in the chat box there. Just put I Decided. We have a little booklet we wanna to send to you and uh, we would love to help you and walk through some next steps in your spiritual journey to help you grow and become all that God destined for you to be. We hope this has been encouraging and challenging for you, and yeah. we can't wait to see you next week for part four of our series called Love Lock. See you then. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.